you mentioned about the the snake and and language has always been mythical and poetic and we we have these things where we we start to believe that the rational and the scientific are the only things that are valid and then we try to take that outlook back to the bible okay everything the bible says has to be scientific and historic and all of these things but this was the expression of the people God had spoken to trying to express what he's and they didn't have a word for Satan. They didn't really have even a, a, a concept of Satan as a force acting on the earth until after the, the Babylonian exile. So what are they going to call the essence or the force that was speaking to Eve? How are they going to illustrate that? What, you know, what would it be? Passed down as in the Bible speaks in pictures. Mm-hmm. God speaks in pictures, so He's giving you images and pictures. I think purposefully. I think God does some of that stuff on purpose because <laughs> He's trying to hide it in the book because He <laughs> wants you to come to Him. You know, He said, "Come, come, come on, come on, come reason with me. Come talk to me. Come ask me what I was saying when I read that book." You cannot justify the Bible with science because the Bible is not a scientific book. The Bible will justify science. You see what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Because, But the Bible is written from an eternal perspective. It's written from God's perspective, a supernatural perspective. So the only way you're going to be able to really understand the imagery in the book is to go to the guy who had, was the author of the book. Mm-hmm. He had all these guys put pen to paper, but he's the author. So I got to go to the, in the end of the passage, the author and the finisher of your faith. Mm-hmm. Is that in the book? Or is that a song somewhere? That's in the book. Thank you. <laughs> I'm counting on you, man. <laughs> you know, let me get him on and off over here. <laughs> you know, so you see, he's the author and the finisher. So I'm the author. I'm the one who wrote that book. I'm the one who came up with the concepts. I'm the one who put some pictures in the book. So if you'll come talk to me, I'll explain the pictures to you. Like the burning coal in your heart. That even in the Bible, there are those spiritual expressions that you cannot comprehend you cannot rationalize the only way is god through is, the spirit. god is spirit and he does things spiritual that make things sense to him if there you go <laughs> make sense to him these are higher than our <laughs> see something is like your wife y'all film so be careful right here <laughs> but at times she do stuff that makes sense to her <laughs> and you over here wondering, now pay attention, Nayla, because I'm talking to him. <laughs> Times you're wondering, you know, as a man, you're like, what in the blue blazes, woman? What was, how did, you know, you know, but it made perfect sense to her. Mm-hmm. You see, and as I, I've been married to Wanda 29 years now, and I'm finally, I'm quick after a long time. I'm finally starting to think, figure it out. Hey, she think different than me. <laughs> <laughs> and I got to have give her the room and a space to be able to process in her way of doing things. Mm-hmm. Women, women have a tendency to think emotionally. I just relate, but men think rationally or logically. But in reality, men think emotionally as well. Mm-hmm. But oftentimes we try to explain the emotional part away <laughs> with our logic. And so sometimes, you know, if you're like me and you've been impatient for over the years and you didn't give your wife the space to think emotionally. And you got to give her that space because she's the other side of who you are. And she's the one over here going, God's over here going, look, boy, you think you're so rational. You think you're so logical, but you don't realize when you're thinking emotional. So I got to give you somebody over here who will think a little more emotional than you. You know, and you think about this. Why does it always seem easier for women 
to function spiritually, function in the supernatural. That You know, my wife is susceptible. If anything like that happens, you know, she's crying or she's laughing or whatever, you know, that she, she easily, I love that about her, she easily moves into the spirit. But I realize, you know, a woman, when, when she comes to, to a man, because she's thinking emotionally, she quickly and is willingly ready to give her heart to that man. She's opened herself up and made herself vulnerable. She's willing to do that. That's a good example for us guys when it comes to Jesus Christ. Am I that quick and that willing to surrender my heart to him? You see what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And let him do those things. Let him put the burning chunk of coal in you. Let him hit you in the head with eggs, you know? Let him, uh, all the other weird stuff that he did, hit you with the big whoosh, you know? Or, you know, the supernatural stuff that you can't logically explain. But you know, dude, I don't know of anybody. And I don't know of a passage in a book where God put a burning chunk of coal in somebody's chest. I don't know a passage in a book where he hit somebody in the head with eggs. I don't know of a passage in a book where somebody got hit in the head with lightning that went down their back and they shot up, started looking like Joe Cocker at the back of the room. Ah, with a little help from my friends, you know. <laughs> I don't know of a passage, but I know this. I know it was God. I don't know of a passage anywhere where God knocked somebody down and they laughed and cried like an absolute lunatic and come up feeling with like no kind of good they ever felt before and felt so good they want to give it away. I can't find a passage. I, you know, I may not have found that in the book, but I'll tell you this. I know that it was God. I know it's God. That's how I come to the place where I can say, you know what? I don't believe Jesus is who he said he is. I know that he is who he said he is because I've encountered him and experienced him in ways that I cannot explain. I can't rationalize. I can't reason it away, but I know that it's him. And because of that, I can stand and say, I know in whom I have believed and I'm willing to surrender this some more. Help me, sir. Like that, Father, help my unbelief. Help me to surrender more so that you can flow through me to touch other lives, to set other folks free. Not not so I'll be somebody. Mm-hmm. You know, you ever think about it? I think about it, so I see folk, you know, somebody really struggling. I was driving here, this old boy, he, I look, he's walking across, and I see him kind of walking funny, but then I look and I notice his eyeglasses. I'm like, holy cat, them some thick glasses on that boy. And I really, the reason he's walking funny is because he can't see that good, uh-huh. you know? But I thought, man, them glasses are so thick. <clears throat> you better not get out in some bright sunlight, son, or Ray will hit you. You know, <laughs> you'll just go up in flames. No, <laughs> no I'm sorry. <laughs> but then I had a thought, wow. Wonder if I could, you know, if I had a moment where I could do like Jesus and say, hey, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, by all the power and authority of that name, be made whole. But then I realized, wait a minute, am I ready for what happened as a result of that? Because <laughs> people ain't that bright. They start thinking it's me. Then I have to go like Peter and James and John, look at here, 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 here. The only reason that boy got up and walked was by the power and the authority of the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, the Messiah, whom you, oh, he did it again, whom you crucified. <laughs> you know? <laughs> that's when, maybe that's why Jesus chose Pete, you know? He knew he was going to be a mess, but he said, but when I get a hold of this boy, he's going to be straightforward. Mm-hmm. He won't mess around with it, you know? The boy's dumber than a sack of wet mice. 
but I love him because he's bold. You know. <laughs> well, you mentioned that uh, the little old lady in the prayer meeting who got up and and they're praying. She's like, "No, this isn't right." Spirit saying it's somebody else. So she, and that's an impressive connection with the spirit. Somebody brings a word and then something's happening, but you realize, you know, this isn't, that's a, that's a high level of discernment and, and prophetic and just knowing the spirit. And yet that woman knowing, having that deep of a connection with the Lord, and yet we're never going to know her name. He's not going around touring in, in the Christian circus. But she's where God told her to be. And I'm sure if he told her, okay, now you need to go over to China and minister to people there. That's where she is. You know, and and God is is raising up. I've heard uh, prophecies before that the next revival is a faceless revival. And maybe it's going to be a faceless revival because God is speaking to people who are hearing his voice who are going to be part of his work where they are. And rather than big names trying to run from place to place to have some, to see the Spirit of God move, but also to have their name spread around. Maybe what he's looking for is actual functional church where people with this deep of a connection or people with this gifting that God has brought out in them are using it in the place that he's planted them to to help the church in the humility to be side by side with other people who would never be touring around the world but have an essential part in the body as well. You ever watch you ever watch like that TBN or look at how many Christian channels are on that satellite dish and you watch how many different preachers come on there I watching oh god you don't need another one. <laughs> <laughs> you, you got a lot. There's a lot of them out there already. You don't need another one. You know, you walk around this town and, you know, go down, you know, you go down, there's the church and then the, all the churches, church row and hospital row. It's all in one row. You know, you can, you can either go in the hospital and get prayed for as you go down or you go in the hospital and get prayed for on your way out, you know, <laughs> but it's all on the same row, you know, <laughs> and there's a lot of them that is, you know, there's every denomination you can think of down that one street, you know. Yeah, but you know what I love about just saying inside. I love about this is a well church community. I had a friend come down here years ago, mixed martial art fighter, right? Rough old boy, big son of a gun, you know, former marine, you know, and uh, come in rough as a cop, boy. You know, he could just cuss the wall paint. He could. He was a good marine. He knew how to. He could put them in combinations <laughs> you didn't know you could do. You know, but one day he come down here with a group of these fighters and was out in the in the public place, and and the one boy cut loose with some profanity. And he jumped out like a Marine and said, hey, knock that off. These are good Christian people down here. You need to clean it up. <laughs> <laughs> he recognized, you know, there's something different about this community. Yeah. And that may be every kind of denomination. And that may, you know what I'm saying? And there is. You know, there's a Methodist and a whatever, the Baptist and the, and the Church of God and the Church of this and the Church of that, you know. And they're all, and they're all the same Jesus. You know what I'm saying? Just got a different, everybody got a little different viewpoint on it. But you, I look at it, look, not everybody likes McDonald's, you know? And not everybody who goes to McDonald's wants chicken nuggets. See what I'm saying? Only the little kids. <laughs> no. 
But, you know, so, so yeah, okay, it kind of makes sense. It's the same Jesus, but it makes kind of sense that there should be different places that fit other folk, you know, where they're at as God's bringing them along. Mm-hmm. Not everybody, you know, not everybody's going to dig having burning chunks of coal, you know, and the and lightning and, and a, you know, and, a, and seeing the big giant circle of fear and all the other different things that, you know, I've encountered. Now, I, for me, I love that. Because mm-hmm. for me, that has made Jesus, it's taken me from beyond a place of I believe. And you can go from that point. You know, the Methodists became Methodists because somebody hadn't thought they had a method. You see what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Uh, Presbyterians, I don't know how they got that one. You know, Episcopalians, <laughs> I don't know how they got that well, one. Well, the you know? presbytery is the, um, the leadership. There was, but... Uh, how they get assemblies of God. How did that one, you know, where did they... They thought they had it all figured out, and God only comes to this assembly. You know, I don't know, you know. Carl. Baptist, that one's easy. They got it from John, <laughs> you know. Carl Barth had a, an example he uses of people who are, they're standing by the riverbed where the river once flowed, and they're telling everyone, hey, this is what it is. This is what, this is what happens. This is what God does. The other, you know, people who, who come from outside are looking down. Like, you guys are crazy. This isn't what we want, and we're seeing a little bit of that today. And that's that's going to be part of God renewing His church. I think is is bringing an expression that is the actual flowing, and they have to move from that place. This is where the river did flow, and that's great. Where's the river flowing now? And if God is doing a new thing, are you part of it? I think that's an essential part. But at the same time, in agreeing with your your point, they, when they have uh, small communities, you can only be close to you know less than 150 people. You can only have an actual relationship with about that many. When you get above that, you don't know these other guys and you're looking at them and you're judging them and you're thinking things about them and you don't know them well enough to know. I can't say, well, no, I, I know this guy and I know he's not like that. So you must have misinterpreted something. I was like, oh, yeah, that guy looks. He, I think he is. I think that's a, you know, and then these rifts start. So it does make sense to have small group churches or a big church that has the small groups inside it or however God organizes it, you can make sense of it. But at the same time, whatever you you prefer, whatever you like, when God is doing a new thing and saying, this is where the river's flowing, are you going to be a part of it or not? And you don't have to have all of these crazy expressions all the time, but are you going to be a part of it? What if it's something like, you know, like there are people who have been born again, but there are people who have had a mental ascent. They want to believe, they know that it's right, but they just haven't been able to make that transition. They haven't been able to surrender that heart and give up that right to be in control. And what if God's doing something going, look, this is over here and it's available to you. And what if they're being drawn to it? Well, that was Nicodemus, right? Yeah, that was, that was. He had the mental ascent and he was drawn to it, but in Jesus' born again. Yeah, and that yeah. messed him all over. <laughs> what do you mean, man? You know, I 
I'm old, dude. How am I going to get Because you have to come to the end of your mind. Yeah, I mean, you cannot reach God with your mind. Come on, come on, get at that now. <laughs> you know, keep going there. You know, <laughs> you can't, yeah, you can't because God's functioning in a different realm. I know because I tried. <laughs> I got, and I got to the point where the, the, the closest I could get was it's like, okay. If I take this step, that means you know I'm believing, and I might I might be believing, and I might be making a fool of myself. I could get to the end of this, and then God says, "Hi, I got you too." <laughs> you you have you come to that point where it's like, okay, this is as far as I got, but this isn't far enough. This, this it doesn't work unless you believe in it, and you can't believe mm-hmm. in it unless you put your trust in it, and it goes beyond your ability to rationalize it. You can't believe, and so I have surrender. to take this. They call it a leap of faith, and some people think that's a good term. Some people think that's a bad term. But to me, it just means you have to go beyond what you can rationalize and say, I'm going to trust you, God. And the amazing thing is that when you do that, he begins to reveal himself to you. Mm-hmm. He begins to teach you uh, to the point where you have this certainty. You know, I know, not because I've been able to rationalize it all, but because he has met me where he was at when I was able to trust in him. And and somebody could look at me and say, well, he's fooling himself because he decided to believe in it, and that's why he's seen it, because you see what you believe in. But at the same time, you see what you believe in. So are you going to believe in something good and holy and beautiful, or are you going to believe that there's nothing but the the crap that we see on this earth? Whose words are you going to believe? <laughs> Who, you know, what rationalization are you going to follow? Yeah. See, and there, there, that's where it becomes, where God says, I, I, come reason with me. And I will reason with you in such a way that you'll recognize that faith is real. That it's not abstract. That it's not unintelligent, but it actually is intelligent. It's just functioning from a superior intelligence. This goes for you because you, you, you're a very, you know, deep thinking guy. But if you realize, if you're a deep-thinking guy, that faith is a superior intelligence. Mm-hmm. And you can connect to that and begin to function in a different realm of intelligence. God begins to take your mind, and he begins to connect it to his mind. And you get glimpses into how he thinks and how he sees and how he feels. Mm-hmm. I was talking with some people earlier. That know me pretty well. I'm like, man, you know me. I'm sorry that I was going so deep because these people were rookies. They're not <laughs> sure, you know. But as God was given, I was giving it out, you know. And uh, and I said, I'm sorry if I went too deep right there. I said, you know me. I said, you know I just barely survived the 70s. I got three brain shells left up in there after the 70s. Larry, Cope, Moe, and Curly. You know, but... <laughs> but there are times when, I, you know, I God connects to my empty old head. And I begin to get to think on his level. But I know it's because of him, not because of me. But I love every time that God begins to reveal himself to me and lets me have those moments where I can reason with him. I can think in the intellectual level of faith. Yeah, when when you get those moments like that, that's when you really get to the place where I don't believe. I know. Because I've experienced that inter- that that superior intellectual level of faith. You see what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And, and and I've experienced it, and God's let me be out there for a few minutes, a few seconds, whatever. He knows how much, you know. 
He's like, look, man, I already got them three spells themselves just spinning in there. I got to back up a little bit, you know. <laughs> you can't handle anymore. You know, the Jesus himself said, I got so much more I'd love to tell you, boys. But, man, you can't handle it. It'll blow your minds, and I don't want to blow your mind, man. You know, I got to bring you along and bring you up where, you know, okay, I've, over the years, we're going to go and we're going to go and I'm going to grow you and I'm going to grow you. And you're going to have these experiences and I'm going to teach you to walk. I'm going to teach you to talk. You see what I'm saying? I'm going to. I'm sorry. No, I just, <laughs> I'm going to teach you to think, you know, that I'll give you that. We're going to jump in there after. When I was a kid, man, I made it as far as the ninth grade. Had a rough life as a kid. And, uh, you know, and I was just, you know, thought I was stupid and no good. And I've been told that, you know, and and uh, I went into ninth grade and, and I went and took this class, a math class, and I could not do the math. I would write the numbers backwards. I wrote the formulas backwards. And, you know, and uh, finally this math teacher, he gave me a test and I wound up proving that I, I couldn't do math. And it caused me to be put in special ed. And so I went to special ed and I thought, well, man, I've taken a test that proves I'm stupid now. So for years, I believed that. And I, I just, you know, to this day, I still struggle to do math. I do everything in fives and zeros. You know, I can't add or subtract, but I can multiply because my kids are proof of that. But, <laughs> no. but one day I'm going along and this is clear as a bell. I did not have to wonder was the 70s come back to me. I, I heard God speak, said, son, the very thing that they said you could not do, I'm going to teach you. But I'm going to teach you spiritual mathematics and then he said this to me he said a humble heart plus a burning bush experience equals a walk like Moses and then as I began to go along I would be reading in the Bible and I would see things that functioned like equations and if you, you could add them together and come up so that right there a humble heart plus a super a burning bush experience a humble heart plus a supernatural experience equals a walk like Moses so now I've gone from over here the humble heart in the physical realm I've moved out into the supernatural realm and I've learned to walk you know whoever I'm not just saying you know I'm the next Moses that's not what I'm saying at all I'm just saying that as we learn, we, we go through that and we God puts the equation together in our life and we begin to walk in that plan and purpose of God for our life. That was one of the things that I was going to say when I somehow I got onto the burning chunk of coal. Uh, I, I, really, I had a, I think I might have told this one before on the series, but you know, where I, when I first came to Alaska, I was a rookie Christian and I didn't know none of the rules, man. And being an old biker, I just thought, well, when you get them natural urges, you just meet somebody and go get natural. You know, and I had did that, and 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 the next day I was working on this Harley, and I started having these thoughts coming to me. I said, "You know what you did was wrong. You know you shouldn't have done what you did." And I fired out out loud. I said, "Look, all right already, huh?" I said, "I told you I'm no good at this Christian thing. I was a bonehead when you found me. I'm still a bonehead. Get off my neck." I found out right then and there. Do not be wrong and get mouthy with God. Because I heard the audible voice of Jesus come through the cinder blocks across that Harley shop. And as clear as you're hearing my voice, he said, I will deliver you for my great purpose. That scared the soup out of me. I tightened the last bolt on that Harley. I went out the back door, went up the stairs into the third floor where I lived on the Harley shop, went into my little hotel-like room. When I went in, for some reason, I put on the radio. And when I put on the radio, the preacher on the radio come on and said, and David's in with Bathsheba and nobody knew. 
I said, oh, no. I said, the preacher on the radio knows. I said, I'm in big trouble with God. Man, I no more than think that than all of a sudden. I'm pretty sure I told this before, but that's okay. You got to get some repeats. All of a sudden in that room came a power, a force that was unlike anything I've ever encountered. And it literally, literally filled every the very air particles in the room were full of this power. It filled every space, every corner was full of that power. And I knew it was so much power that any record I ever existed could be wiped out. Boom, boy, I hit the ground. I put my face in my hands. I'm looking at the rug and said, oh, man, I said, you a bad dude. And I'm afraid of you. I'm afraid of what you could do to me. Instantaneously, I was no longer seeing the room that I was in, but I saw a beautiful ocean and a rocky shore and a massive giant rock sticking up out of the ocean and a blue sky and two arms appeared in the sky from here to fingertip that's all I could see and a voice spoke out in the sky and said I love you this much and boom I was back to seeing the room again I said "Woo, you freaking me out dude because a minute ago you was pissed off boy you know <laughs> I mean, but I, the point I want to make out of that he said I will deliver you for my great purpose you know what I realized it ain't my purpose it's his great purpose for my life. And as long as I surrender that heart and give up my right to be in control, he'll fulfill that great, his great purpose for my life, his great purpose for your life. You see what I'm saying? And then when, when I got down on the ground, look, he was in all his power. Frightening to encounter the power of God like that. But the forgiveness was already waiting because the moment I got humble, the arms appeared in the sky and said, hey, I love you this much, man. Don't get mouthed or I'll show up. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> you know? So I, sometimes I may, that took a lot of pressure off me because I didn't have to worry about it. Yeah. It ain't my purpose. All I got to do is stay humble before God. He'll fulfill his purpose for my life. 